Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. that everyone is rendering into this ministry. As we are in this month, sacrificial may. No relationship will survive without sacrifices. If it's relationship, and it says no one, no two can tango unless they agree. Sacrificial me. in love when we talk about sacrifice in love how can we sacrifice in love let's just before I start unpacking let's just see what John 15 12 and 13 says 
Hallelujah. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Hallelujah. You sacrifice for others. You give up something for your friend, for somebody else to benefit. Selfless love. It's not me, me. I first. I come first. No, I put you first before me because of Christ. Sacrificial or divine love is a non-selfish display of affection that will strengthen and improve all types of relationship. Did we get that? The sacrificial or divine love is an unselfish display of affection that will strengthen and improve all types of relationship. If we apply that divine love, that love that made Christ, that kind, that God kind of love that I have loved you, I have loved you, um, get, get the 12. This is my commandment. He's the one commanding us that you love one another as I have loved you. So his love to us is selfless love. He put you and I first. And that's why he gave his son who has no sin to take the place of sinners, we, the sinners. When you are on the train, I know some of us don't do it, but some do it. You see an elderly person or someone or pregnant person or, you know, someone who you deem that need the seat more than you, you get up for that person to sit. You have sacrificed your seat, you know, the comfort of you sitting down, for someone to sit down and be a bit comfortable. It's a sacrificial act. You give something for the benefit of someone. So anything sacrificial has to do with sacrifice. And sacrifice is something given up for the sake of others. So anything sacrificial is connected to selfish act of love. Hallelujah. Now, 
the word love bounces on our mouth more than any other. You know? We use love for many things. So love is a word that very often is a word that very often on our lips. But the word love has a lot of meaning. Example, we can say <clears throat> we love or I love Kenke. <clears throat> I love Shito. Jollof rice. Wachi. Or omelette. We can love people's behavior or how they share their message. This is types of love <clears throat> or the expression of love. Um, at times, we can mean different things. It's them love, saying different things. And love can mean different things at different times. And it can mean different things for, to different people. But can we really know what love is? Whenever we want to know what love is, we look at the cross. We refer to Christ. Because that is the perfect love, a true love, the, kind, the God kind of love, the agape love. Now, when we were doing relationship, um, I think last year, we are gone through kinds of love. So in the ancient Greek language, there are four types of love. One is stooge, or stooge love, which is love that's shared between family members, like that experience between parents and children. Eros love, which is sexual love, and phileo love, which is brotherly love, and that is, and then there is agape love, which is sacrificial love. This fourth one, which is agape love, is the kind of love that God has for the world because love is whom he is. Love is whom God is. Hallelujah. So we see that in, in John, in 1 John 4, 8. So he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. And the love that God wants me and you so to display a selfless love. And the self -lo selfless love is what he desires us to show towards him and others. Amen? Now, how can we in this life knowing what 
the, the things that we go through in this life, how can we show or practice this selfless love? As I said, when we get to that, this to live a life of sacrificial love, then we look at Christ. We look at the commandment of God. We look at what Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. The cross has become a symbol within Christian faith. Also, it represents or reminds us of the sacrificial love of God. We might see it as a piece of wood, but that piece of wood reminds us something, reminds us that there's someone who laid down his life, who was God, and came in form of man, who took compassion so that humanity was heading to complete destruction. There was no hope. Before Christ, Abraham was taken out from his kindred, and it's like a special species or stock, because in, in the eyes of God, he lived a righteous life, so he separated him. But after a while, sin started. Noah was, so there were many types of savior, if we can call, put it that way, but none of them were able to take our sins away completely. There is a song that goes, It shall be permanent. It shall be permanent. What the Lord has done for me, it shall be permanent. It shall be permanent. It shall be permanent. What the Lord has done for us, it shall be permanent. What God has done, what Christ has done for us, is permanent. How many of us are born in this country? Okay. Right. A good number of us that are not born in this country, we are given British citizenship. Is it true? If I do something very wrong that this country deem that is a slap on their face, do you know what they will do? Not sending me back, they will revoke that citizenship. So citizenship they give me is not permanent. But what God has done for me and you cannot be revoked. 
The only way, the only way <clears throat> is we ourselves. That's if we say, if we act against the Holy Ghost or against the Holy Spirit. But the sacrifice, when he went on that cross, we all are saved. We all been, our pride, the we've been bought over. A price has been paid. We've been set free. We are no longer slave to sin. Hallelujah. So, we know that when he went on that cross, he took away our infirmities. He took away the curse. He completely, if we remind ourselves that the animal blood or the blood sacrifices were not enough to cleanse our sins. And I thank God that I wasn't born in that time. I wonder how you come to the, um, the, the church or the meeting. How many goats and the cows and the, um, uh, birds and all this, the blood. I wonder how. You know, in those, uh, they slaughter this, they slaughter that. They, you know, sometimes even there will be 300, 500 more than that will be slaughtered, killing. But yet, those blood could not permanently cleanse them or wash their sins away. But there is one sacrifice, one blood that was shedded for us all that permanently set us free. And this one who was God, who looked at each and every one of us and took compassion on us and volunteered and laid down his life. If we had said, Jack, I'm all right. Well, as your forefathers, Adam and Eve, that put them into that, well, they got to sort it out or perish. There would not, would not have been any remedy for us. So the, this agape love is what saves and restores humanity, humanity's broken relationship with God. God is the one who initiate this restoration. If we look in John 3.16, we know what John 3.16 said, well, all Bible scholars. Amen? For him being our father, he looked at his creation. He looked at all the things, like in the beginning when he said, when he made um, um, Adam and Eve, God looked at Adam and there was nothing out of what he has created that is suitable for Adam. 
I don't, God is not the father that will say, settle with second best. God is the one that will give us the best. The best. It wouldn't have been impossible or wrong for him to say, oh, okay, you'll find something from mother. But he looked and said, there was nothing suitable out of what he has created for Adam. Then he caused Adam to sleep and took a rib of him and made Eve. And Adam gave a soulmate. And he gave Adam the best. So when he is doing all those type of saviors that came before Christ, none of them were able to save us permanently. And God gave his son. And God, being father, his love is the one that propels him. In John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Through Christ. The love of God will have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Everlasting life. Or eternal lives. So he gave us his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gives himself for the world in sacrificial love. He saved us, we who were worse sinners. Jesus laid down his life, taking our sin upon himself and nailing it on the cross. So we are to look to him who loved us so lavishly. And we are to love others with this love. God's gracious love to us and be molded in it. Amen? So when we are, if you, if you take this, we look at families. When we were growing up, even in those who were in the 80s or those who came to this country in the 80s, Some of our moms, or our, the ladies at that time, those who were teaching, say in Ghana, in Nigeria, when they came here, the racism at that time was so much that they cannot go to teach in the school at that time. And they settled and doing menial job, morning cleaning and cleaning. They've given up the teaching, the career they were for the man, the husband, to go to college. Because in the 80s, 
not many people that came into this country came to work to do job. It's only maybe the West Indians, but the Africans, mostly that came during the 80s were to study. There was no way that family could have functioned without one sacrificing, mostly the women. Now, in our normal family life, a man is pursuing his business or his business career, and the lady has got a very important job. If two of these couple pursue their career and none sacrifice or compromise, what will happen to that relationship? What will happen to the children? If the woman says, I'm not going to lose this figure eight, or figure nine to start having children. You know, whenever I go and um, dress up, yes, heads roll. And he says, no, 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 no. This is not for me. Uh, um, if you're talking about, and the, the man is saying, we need to have children. We need to have a family. He says, I'm not going to, you know, sacrifice that. You see, sometimes they use the word sacrifice. Problem was that. And even if they have had the children, and each of these parents is adamant to pursue his or her career, the children will suffer. So marriages, relationship cannot work the way it should without sacrifices and sometimes compromises. But what I'm just saying is not, does not say that if one is in abusive marriage that you should condone it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the marriages or, or relationship cannot survive without sacrifices. God, in his infinite mercy, poured his love unto us through his son. And our love is to express our gratitude to God's gracious love to us and to be modeled by it. If we look also in his commandment to us, he says, love one another as I have loved you. The love of God it's unconditional. It's not by what you've done. It's not by what you have said. 
It's not even that. Yes, there is a place for if you pray, you get, but everyone, he loved the same. Hallelujah. Now, we know also through Jesus, with God from the beginning, and the love of the Father was from the beginning. From the beginning. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. But I don't even know myself. I don't even know myself. Remember what he told Nathaniel? Immediately Nathaniel was coming to him. He said, here is the man. The man with, you know, with prestige that knows what he wants. He told Nathaniel. And when Nathaniel was saying, I, I believe this, this, he said, are you saying this because I have you know, uh, addressed you in this way? But he told Nathaniel, before the other disciple came to call him, he saw him when he was hiding under the tree. So Christ knew us. God knew us before he formed us in our mother's womb. His love for us cannot be questioned. From the beginning, he loved us. However, the greatest act of sacrifice or sacrificial love is seen on the cross where the Son of Man came not to be served, but to, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hallelujah. Although Jesus was with God from the beginning, but, but he loved the love by his father made him, and he did not count this equality as something to hold on to, but laid it down. He laid it down, made himself nothing, became like a servant, took the likeness of human flesh, and humbled himself in obedience to suffer the death. A sinful Humanity that deserved. We can see in Philippians 2, 6 and 8. Philippians 2, verse 6 and 8. Now, why that is coming? When we see our managers at work, How would you like a manager that when things are getting tough, he roll his sleeve and come down on the shop floor, come down, help, take out the, the suit and come in with everyone and, and work on get the job done? 
What did the Bible say about those who lord their seniority, their authority on their subject? What are they, they, our governments doing? The, the, the um, parliamentarians, they have four cars, five cars. They pay themselves salary. They increase. They said others will not get. They get themselves. They serve themselves. We voted them to come into power. But they do their own things. They put themselves first. But that is not the sacrificial love that Christ is telling us about. The sacrificial love is that love that you put the society for God so loved the world. The sacrificial love is one that when you are in the seat of authority, instead of to lord over your authority, over your subject, you are able to do things that will bring praises to God. Your seniority in the family your seniority in the church, your seniority wherever that you find yourself, where God has put you, is not for you to enjoy that cozy seat. It's not for you to enjoy that cozy position. It's not for you and I to load it over others, but to use it in glorifying the name of God. To use it and be able to reach out to those who are under us when they see the benefit, they will give God glory. When a righteous man is in authority, what happens? The people rejoice. They celebrate. But when the wicked ungodly, those who don't fear God. That's when you carry the whole ammunition and go and invade another country. This is where you start treating people, you will release nuclear, um, um, you will read atomic bomb if anybody say anything. We see it in the families back home. Great uncles, mostly the widows, have been marginalized, taken away what their husband left for them. The orphans, just because you have that bit authority or power. We see it happening time and time again. But they forget that every authority comes from above. The love of Christ 
what we do in this life when we do not heed to what God says brings a repercussion. So obedience is a mark of our love for God. As he says in John, all right, we didn't read there. He says, um, who being in form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. As we have explained, his position, he was like God. And he came down. And he didn't consider, ah, look, I am God. But he came, he took, he humbled himself. He laid down his life. Because only Christ, only Christ who was without sin can save us the sinners. Only him. But he laid down his life and he saved us. So obedience is a mark of love of God. In John 14, 21, it says, whoever has my command and keeps them is the one who loves me. So the love of God is whoever keeps his command and whoever obey him and keeps his command is the one that loves him. True love is when we do what the word of God commands us to do and be in total obedience to what God commands us. Love one another as I have loved you. When we do selfless love, putting others first and not us, the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show mercy to them. Practically, this means knowing Jesus personally, coming to the father through him, and walking in the spirit in our daily activities. We must endeavor to remind ourselves every day what the word of God says. When we are pushed to the world, we must look up to the cross, look at what Christ did for us. Every day of our lives, the challenges we face at work, we change uh, even when we are traveling. Every day, mostly what, that which the enemy always try for, to undercut you, but you remind yourself that someone did lay his life for you. And our salvation is unmerited. We did not work for it. Is by his grace. So obedience to God will mean sacrifice to other things, but we can obey because he has obedient and he was obedient to death on the cross. Hallelujah. 
love and serve the body of Christ, the church. When we are, as believers, we are connected to Jesus, who is the head of the whole body, which is the church. Colossians 1, 18. Jesus said that all people will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. Amen? In John 13, 35, also, practically, uh, John, let's, let's get John, um, let's get John 13, 35. By this, all we know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. So, as we always say, we are like open book. Immediately you do something at work or where. They said, before they don't even say, okay, he's a Christian, but do something that they think that a Christian should not do. They will be the first to say, oh, he called himself a Christian. No, look at what he's, he's done. So, People always watch us. And when we are in, a, in the service of God, when as we are children of God, we must always endeavor to walk in love with one another. We must serve God with that total obedience and reverence. We must look out for each other. We must not undermine or undercut anyone. Hallelujah. Love those that are marginalized in the society. You see, this aspect is very important to God. If you are someone that God has put in a position that you can speak, the best way to use that position is for you to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. God put you in that position that you can speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Someone who has got his eyes or God has given you your sight, you know better than the one that is blind. That is, you did not do anything better to God to give you that sight. And the one who is blind did not sin because they asked Christ, this blind person, and then whose sin was, he says, it's neither his sin nor his parents. 
Sometimes people think maybe one who is blind or lame or whatever must have done something wrong or in the wherever. That, but God, Christ answered that question. So you, who is fortunate or blessed to have your sight, be a sight for the blind. Hallelujah. When you start undermining a blind person, you're raining a curse on yourself. When people in the village or everywhere or in this country, because oh, um, he hasn't got his or her papers, you employ that person. And two weeks, three weeks, you sack that person without pay. <laughs> I've seen it in this country happen every time. That business will go down. Sure, is on the roll down. It will go down. You are not there to imagine, uh, to, to, um, to take advantage of the less privileged. But you are called to use your position to help the less privileged. That's selfless love. Hallelujah. You are called to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. You are, if you're a judge or a magistrate, in that position as a child of God, and God put you, in fact, there was one um, program I was looking for. This, this, this um, international, um, it's like international uh, lawyer or something of that nature. She specifically went so that she would be able to go and do law, so that she would be able to go from prison to prison and be able to help those who are not able to bring their case to court and represent them. And I tell you, when she started, she has a lot of opposition and people say, when you know, but one or two cases, God opened the door for her. And she become well-known person. And he, her profession or her, her career, you know, went to the top. When we do things for God, when we make sacrifices for God, and when we are obedient to the word of God, God will take us to the height of our career, of our prosperity or position that we want. Jesus loved those who were outsiders in society. He touched and healed those with diseases and sickness. He denied, or he dined, he went and dined with the tax collectors. My word, in those days, 
the worst thing you can do is to go and dine with a tax collector. Because they found that in that time that tax collectors was their most wicked people because they just take from you, they seize everything they can do, uh, they can get their hand, and maybe half of the money they don't account to the revenue or to the government. You know, they reach, they take things. But he went, he dined with the tax collectors and sinners. And to shock the religious leaders of the day. And he spoke to women and had good friendship with them. The agape love of God breaks down barriers. Yet, do we put up our own walls in whom we choose to love? Do we show preferential treatment to different groups of people? Or do we avoid those we feel uncomfortable with? And we still, we do these things, we still say we love. But that's not the kind, the God kind of love. I pray that in our life today, that the love of God flowing from the fountain of our heart will cause us to break those barriers, to be able to reach to everyone with God kind of love, with selfless love, that we put others first before us. And whatever position that we find ourselves God has put us. It's not just for us to enjoy it, but for us to use it to help others. Amen? In family relationship as well, the things that we do in the family that holds their family together. Let us not say, I can't do this anymore. Nobody seems to value what I'm doing. But in your service, as you do it for God, and that service, that sacrifice that is holding the family together, God will use it to bless you and put you in a position that you will ever be grateful to him. And all that's around you will see you as a light. Let us, as we offer again, our sacrificial love of worship to God also means that as we offer our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice, it becomes a spiritual worship unto him. And that 
sacrificial love is also found at the cross of Calvary for the world because we lay down our life. We lay our body as a living sacrifice unto him. When we are worshiping him, knowing that he is our creator, he is our, our father. If, if you see what the world is doing, why the world is, uh, is opposite of what God is saying, some of these addresses, they said, oh, if you have a good body, show it, use it, they'll, you know what happens. Some of them, um, they wear clothes that, you know, uh, expose or all the kind of things. And in the name that they have good body, they had to show it. The good body and the, the beauty that God gives you and I, and whatever that God puts in our hand is to glorify him, is to make his, 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 his love to mankind, the gift he has given us, to, for us to use it in glorifying him, and not for us to make it in a way that it becomes a sin. Hallelujah. So, whatever we are doing in our life, let us look at the love that Christ has displayed to humanity. Let us look at the love of God. The type of, the kind of love that God wants us to show to him and to others. The cross is before us and the world is behind us. We have come out from Egypt. We've been taken to promised land. We are not going back. Hallelujah. Our Lord Jesus Christ has paid that ultimate price for us all. We must remain committed to him, faithful to our God. We must remember that none of us worked for it as purely by grace. May God bless you. I hope that you have got something out of this. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.